I uh, just have a few things that I want to share with you this morning. If you didn't hear via email or through somebody else this week, we want to let you know that our own dear Joy Brewster did pass this week on Wednesday and went to be with Jesus. And so um, we, of course, want to remember George in our prayers and her family, lifting them up as they go through this grieving process. And many of us, we Joy has been a part with, Joy, with George of our church for a very long time, and uh, we're very, really integral parts of the church, and so we will miss her, but we celebrate that she is pain-free and she is with the Lord. And so there's three important dates that I want to bring to your attention. Uh, the first is that we will be having a celebration of life for joy here at New Life Church on Monday, July 3rd. We want to invite all of you to that. It's at 2 p.m. here in the afternoon. Uh, at the church, and so we want to invite you to come take part in that. July 9th, thanks. July 9th, we are uh, having a special general meeting of the members of New Life. Um, so this is just the first week of announcing that. And so this is for voting members of New Life. And the purpose for this meeting is simply to make a motion to our denomination to have Pastor Simon licensed. We have to do that as a congregation. Uh, and so if you are a voting member of New Life Church, we invite you to stay after the service on July 9th. It probably won't take more than 10 minutes. This is not a long drawn out process. We just have to Take attendance, make a motion, vote, and then we get to go on our way. So we invite you as voting members to stay back July 9th for that special meeting. And then the following Sunday, July 16th, uh, we invite everyone to stay after the service uh, for lunch. We're going to have a farewell for Pastor Scott and Raina. If you missed the announcements last week, uh, that will actually be their last Sunday. So his last day in the office is Friday the 14th. Uh, he'll be helping Simon with the service on Sunday, and then we will celebrate them with lunch afterwards. So we hope everybody can stay and give them a wonderful send-off as well. So those are the dates. Uh, we'll get those up on the website too. So... Thank you. Um, I'm going to be reading 1 John 4, verses 7 to 21. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us, by sending his one and only son into the world so that we may have so we might have eternal life through him this is real love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins dear friends since god loved us that much we surely ought to love each other no one has ever seen god but if we love each other god lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of, this, of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we might not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we can live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear 
If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. We don't love people we can see. How can we love God who we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. We've got a guest speaker this morning coming to us to share the word called Jeffrey. And we're going to invite Jeffrey to come out now. And I first met Jeffrey just about a month ago. I was at a, a pastor's retreat conference at Cape Renee Harbour. And I was there for three or four days. And I met Jeffrey. And, and we, were, we were drawn together. We had breakfast together, coffee together. We would chat together. And his wife, Tessa. And I, I, I just sensed that this man was a man of God. And when we started talking, we started talking about Scripture. And I thought, I want to hear what he has to say. So we invited him to come today. Jeffrey's been a lecturer at Cape Ray Harbour. And now he's the associate pastor at Departure Bay Baptist Church up in well, Departure Bay, Nanaimo. And so um, with uh, great uh, expectation and excitement, we've got Jeffrey to, to preach to us this morning. So Jeffrey, thank you. Thank you, Simon. Good morning, everyone. I trust you all are doing well. It's truly a privilege to be here this morning to open God's Word and share uh, what God has to say to each one of us. Um, again, my name is Jeffrey. Uh, I'm, I have one wife, uh, Tessa, wonderful, beautiful wife. And uh, we have two kids, uh, Reuben and Judah, two boys, a uh, five-year-old and a three-year-old. When we, started, when we had our firstborn, Reuben, I was aiming for uh, the 12 tribes of Israel. If you know the name Reuben, he's the firstborn. Um, and then when we had Reuben, we were like, no, we're not having 12. We're going to skip a couple. So we did uh, Judah. And Judah is number four in line. And we'll see. Next one might be Benjamin. We'll see. Um, yeah, it's truly a joy. We as a family, we live in Nanaimo, uh, in the Departure Bay, if you know the ferry terminal area there by the bay. Uh, we pastor a church there, Departure Bay Baptist Church, and it's truly a joy uh, to be here this morning. Again, we met Simon again at Cape and Ray at the pastor's retreat, and all of a sudden we just started clicking, and uh, soon we realized our love for God and love for His people, and love for the Word of God. And Simon asked, hey, would I be willing to come and open God's Word here at New Life? Last time I was here was in March 2020, and I was preaching here in March 2020. Do you know what happened in March 2020? <laughs> the three days after the Sunday I spoke, the World Health Organization declared the pandemic. I had to tell Simon, Simon, last time I was at New Life, guess what happened? Are you sure you want me back? <laughs> I didn't, yeah, he didn't mind, so I'm, I'm glad to be here uh, this morning. As you uh, already know, today's passage is in 1 John chapter 4. Uh, you've been going on this series uh, in 1 John, studying in the book of 1 John, uh, looking at uh, two pillars, truth and love. And as we just read uh, this morning, 1, cha uh, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 uh, to 21. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. We'll be spending, uh, again, some, uh, some moments there looking at what God has to say to each one of us. But in 1 John chapter 4, Verse 7 to 21, you probably heard the theme is love. Theme is love. 
the word love is actually used in those verses there from 7 to 21, 27 times. The word love. You can't miss the theme of today's message. It's love. You already know Apostle John, as he's writing this letter, he's going up the spiral staircase, right? And he's hitting the same themes again and again and again. But every time he hits it, he goes deeper and deeper and deeper. So you already went through the theme of love, starting in uh, 1 John chapter 1, looking at what love is, what love can be like, and how love is manifested in us. And in 1 John chapter 4, John is going to take love a little bit deeper. He really wants his audience to know the true love of God and the power of God's love to us and in us. If you read 1 John, you know in chapter 1, John starts by talking about God or Jesus as the word of God. The word loose there is logos. And logos is not just the spoken word. Logos is the, the reason behind all things. And not just the reason behind all things, uh, the means by which that, that reason is communicated. And also the power by which that reason is implemented. That's Logos. And so John starts in the early on this, this letter, he says, Jesus is Logos. He is the word of God. And then John goes in chapter 1 and 2, Jesus is not just Logos, he is the light of God. And if Jesus is the light of God, you and I are supposed to walk in the light. And by the way, John says, if you're, if you're, if you're actually walking in the light, the evidence of that is that you'll be loving one another. So Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the light of God. And then in chapter 3 and 4, John says, Jesus is the love of God. That we are called to love. And if we say we, we love God, we ought to love our brothers. You can't say, hey, I love God, but I hate my neighbor because he makes too much noise uh, when I'm trying to have a nap. Uh, that's not love. And then later on in 1 John chapter 5, John goes on to say, Jesus is the life of God. And he says, whoever has the Son, Jesus, has life. The Word of God, the light of God, the love of God, and the life of God. And throughout these themes, Apostle John, he has love as a common thread. In every section, you'll notice, John ties up. Whether it's the word of God, whether it's the light of God, love of God, life of God, everything ties up to this common word, love. In every section, the evidence is seen in love. The fulfillment of the character of Jesus is love in our hearts. So today's passage, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 21, John makes the claim, really, Jesus is love, or God is love, and so we are to respond to his love that he shown. He shows towards us. So this morning, I want to look at three things with you. Three simple things uh, with you. First one, the provision of God's love. Second one, if God has provided love, what's our response to God's love? And thirdly, the result of God's love in our hearts. So provision of God's love, our response to God's love, and thirdly, the result of God's love in our hearts. So first thing, the provision of God's love. If you look at verse 19, it says, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, We love because He first 
loved us. If you've been to a wedding, this is like the, the theme verse, right? We love because he first loved us. In other words, this is the summary of the passage. This is the summary of the passage. We first have to understand that love is not something that you and I can work up. It's not something that we can come up with. Love is not something that we can pull together. Love is not something that we can initiate. That's not what John is saying here. John is saying from these verses that love is something that comes down to us. If you read verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Again, in verse uh, 8 and 16, it says, God is love. God is love. Now, these are wonderful statements uh, that should bring hope to every person sitting here and listening to me online. You know why? Regardless of experience, regardless of what we are going through, we need to know the source of love. That is God himself. See, some of us, we have experienced love, so much love, since the day we were born. But for others, you might have felt a lack of love. Maybe you received very little love. Maybe your experience was opposite of love. And that's something you fear. You're fearing that I can't love because I didn't receive much love. I don't have anything to give. Maybe there are some of us who have, ex who have suffered from neglect. Some of us who have experienced abuse. Maybe your experience is really the opposite of love. And that might have left deep wounds in your life. And you might be wondering, can these wounds ever be healed? Can I really, truly experience love? Is this a really a reality or is this just words on a, paper, on a book? Well, these verses in 1 John chapter 4 is telling you that regardless of your experience, regardless of my experience, whether good or bad, each one of you, each one of us can experience true love and share that love of God with others. And the reason that you can experience love, the reason that you can love is because you are loved by God. You are loved by God. You are loved with an everlasting love and God's love flows to you so that it can flow through you. That's God's love. And so in these verses, God is saying there's, there's God's provision of love. There's the source of love, God himself. And the provision of God is that love comes from God. And in these verses, it's saying there's certain responsibility that God has. There's, there's certain things that God does. It's his part. First one, God loves us. That's his part. We can't force him. We can't make him. He loves us. Listen to this, verse 10. Of 1 John chapter 4. This, this is what it says. Verse 10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but He loved us. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Verse 19. We love because He first loved us. First thing that God does in His part is that God loves you. It starts from Him. 
God loved you before you ever, ever loved him. God loved you before you ever had a relationship with him. God loved you when you ignored him. God loved you when you rejected him. Listen, you didn't win God's heart by loving him. God won your heart by loving you. That's his part. That begs the question, well, how do I know God loves me? How do I know that God loves me? Well, if you grew up in a church context or a Sunday school context, a youth group context, you probably learned the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. For, do you guys know that song? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Bible tells me so. Wonderful song, right? We love that song. We sing that song. But here's the implication. The implication is, I know Jesus loves me because it's in the Bible. Now, there's a problem with that. When did the Bible come to being? The Bible was only put together 300 A.D. What do you have in front of you? It's only put together 380. Does that mean the love of Jesus started when you started receiving the Bible? No. It didn't start with the Bible. The love of God didn't start when you and I started receiving the Bible. If your experience of love of God is, here's the thing, if your understanding of the love of God is based on your experience of the Bible, you and I have an interesting relationship with the Bible, and that's what's going to be the same experience with the love of God. In fact, in January, you're like, hey, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible in a year. And you start in Genesis, right? January 1st, New Year resolution, I'm going to read my Bible. You start in Genesis, you're like, yes, creation, good stories. You get to Abraham, that's great stories. Wonderful Joseph stories, wow, colorful pictures, this is amazing. You get to Exodus, yes, Jesus, God is great. God is doing some wonderful work. He's rescuing his people. Exodus, the book of Exodus, very good. Uh, and then you get to what? Leviticus, and you're like, uh-oh. You're like, yeah, do I really understand the love of God here? <laughs> Does he really love? He's asking to kill animals. And uh, really, is there love of God here? Oh, let's skip Leviticus. Let's go to Numbers. Oh, uh-oh. Numbers, I'm not an accountant. I'm not good at math. Let's skip Numbers. Uh, let's go to Deuteronomy. Oh, this is just repetition of what already we read in Exodus. Let's skip that too. Uh, let's go to uh, Joshua. Yes, Joshua is a good book uh, because we see, the, again, the rescue of God's uh, hand with the people coming into the promised land. Oh, book of Ruth, great love story, amazing. Oh, then you get to Psalms, Proverbs, then you get to the minor prophets. It's like, oh, this is not good. I don't understand. Dry bones. What are we in? Zombie movie? Uh, let, let, let's go to the New Testament. Let's skip to Matthew chapter 1. Oh, Genealogy of Jesus. No, <laughs> not good. But Christmas story. We like Christmas story. Okay, let's read that. Okay, I feel loved. Now, do you see how your experience of your word of God goes up and down? 
the Bible does tell you that Jesus loves you, but don't base the experience of the love of God on the Word of God. Because the Bible came long after God loved you. In fact, there's wonderful verses in the scripture that God created, or God knew you, loved you, even before you were even born. He knit you together. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. He created you. He designed you. Even before the foundation of the universe, he loved you. You are God's handiwork, his masterpiece, created with love. God loves you. That's his part. And that began a long time ago. That's why John says in, in the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And Word was God. That's the same Word. Logos. That's the same Word. The life of God. The light of God. The love of God. God loves you. Second thing. God's part. The way he demonstrated his love is by sending his son Jesus for us. Look at these verses, verse 9. First John chapter 4, verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son, to be the savior of the world. See, this is how God loves us, is by sending his son, Jesus, for you and I. In other words, don't try to discern God's love for us by the state of the world. Don't try to discern God's love for us by your experience of life here on earth. Don't try to discern God's love for us by how much money you have in your bank account or the current circumstances around us in this world or the climate control or the political climate. God's love for us is demonstrated by God sending his son Jesus for you and I. To die for you and I. Why? Verse 9 says, so that we might live through him. See, God didn't want you and I to have death as the end. He wants us to live. He wants us to enjoy an eternal relationship with Him. To enjoy abundant life today. Not that one day we die and we go to heaven. That's a great thing. That's wonderful as it is. But today on this earth, wherever you are, whatever you are going through, God wants you to have that unique relationship and fellowship and experience His love for you and I. And for that, he sent Jesus to die for us. But he didn't just stay dead. He rose again on the third day so that you and I could have his life in and through me. Now, that's a wonderful picture of baptism that we just saw. It would be really funny if, if uh, whoever was baptizing that person would go down and say, Hey, you're dead with Christ, and, but just stay there. <laughs> But the reality is that's how many Christians live. Yes, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. My sins are forgiven. But now what? Good news is you're risen. You're risen again to new life so that you would experience his love, his life in and through you today. Well, how does that happen? Again, this is again in God's 
God's responsibility, God's part. He loves us. He sent his son, Jesus, for us. And third thing, God abides in us through his spirit. God abides in us through his spirit. Verse 13 of 1 John chapter 4. This is what it says. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his what? Spirit. He has given us his spirit. Verse 12. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The love of God is poured out for us on the cross of Calvary. But the love of God is poured into you on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit took residence in your life, in your heart. See, Holy Spirit brings the presence and love of God in the life of every believer. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, guess what? There's no love. You could be attending church. You could be part of a a small group. You could be reading your Bible inside and out. You could be listening to Christian music. All good. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, if you're not a born-again believer, born of the Spirit, that's the language Jesus used with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. If you're not born of the Spirit, guess what? You don't have the life. We need the Holy Spirit who abides in us. And as the Holy Spirit abides in us, fruit is produced. Fruit is produced. Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is, what's the first one? Not coconut, but what's the first one? Love. The first one on the list is love, but it is the fruit of the Spirit. It's a byproduct of the Holy Spirit abiding in you. It's love. So if you are um, struggling with love, you're like, hey, I I want more love. I want to love my neighbor. I want to love my family. I want to love my father-in-law. I want to love my mother-in-law. I want love. And you're like, I can't fabricate this love. There's no love in me. Guess what you need? Abide in the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit abide in you. And the byproduct of the Holy Spirit abiding in you is going to be love. Well, what would it look like for the Spirit of God to abide in me? What would it look like, let's say, for illustration's sake, what would it look like the spirit of Simon uh, to abide in me? What changes would you see? Well, first of all, I would wear shorts and uh, uh, full sleeve shirts, and I would tuck myself in, and I need to curl my hair, and I need to probably get a British accent, and you will see the evidence in the way I talk, the way I walk, the way I smell, the way I do life. The evidence of the Holy Spirit is in you is often seen by other people around you. It's like, hey, that person is different. There's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's self-control, gentleness, faithfulness. Not among themselves, but it is the fruit of the Spirit. So God loves us. This is his part. God loves us. God sent his son Jesus for us. And God abides in us through his Spirit. Now, you can personalize that. God loves me. God sent his son Jesus for me. God abides in me through his spirit. And when he does that, the evidence is going to be love.
the evidence is gone below. See, this is God's provision. This is what he has done. Now, which begs the question, okay, what's my response to this? What am I supposed to do? If God does, he loves us. Yeah, he sent Jesus for me. He abides in me by his spirit. What am I supposed to do? What's my response to God's love? Here's the first one. We love. <laughs> we love. Verse 7, this is what it says. Dear friends, First John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Verse 12, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. God's love is perfecter. It's made complete. That's the language used there. It's made complete when we love one another. In other words, God's love, when it comes down to us, it doesn't stop here. It's only made complete. It's only made perfected. It only fulfills its purpose when it's flowed out to others. That's the purpose of God's love. It's meant to overflow to those around us. There was a uh, pastor in Argentina um, by the name Juan Carlos Ortiz. He led a church in Argentina, and he wrote many books there. Uh, but he's been preaching many Sundays, and he was preparing for one Sunday, and he had a message prepped, and it was on the theme of love. And as he was uh, waiting for his time to come up on the, on the stage to, to preach his message, he felt the Holy Spirit telling him, hey, how many times have you, have you preached on love? And he said, so many times. <laughs> my, my church, they know about love. They have heard, heard me pre speak about love. They know what it is. But they're not really loving one another. So he felt compelled. He came up on stage when it's time for the message. And he came up on stage and he said three words. Love one another. And then he went back down and sat down. Everybody is like, uh, what's happening? Are we done? That was like the shortest sermon ever. <laughs> they're not used to a three-second sermon. They're used to like more of a one-hour sermon. They're like waiting awkwardly, like, what's going to happen next? Is the music team coming up? Like, what are we doing? A couple seconds later, he came back up again. So everybody's like, okay, he's going to preach now. And he came up, he opened his Bible, he said, love one another. And he went back down and sat down. People are like, are we paying this guy for this? Like, he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be pre preparing a whole week and coming up with a fantastic sermon that's going to blow our minds off. Nothing happening. Or he came up a third time and said, love one another. And he went back and sat down. Well, by this time, the couple people in the front row said, I think we are supposed to love one another. <laughs> And so they looked at each other and said, hey, I haven't met you. What's your name? How can I love you? Soon discovered that person beside, who was sitting beside said, hey, you know what? I'm going through a financial crisis. And uh, this was my place. I needed to go. The person opened his wallet and said, hey, let me help you out. Soon the crowd began talking with each other. Soon they're like, hey, dinner invitations were given out. People, there were people in the, crowd, in, the, in the congregation that were unemployed, got employment by the end of the service. See, love in theory is great. And we all know love in theory. 
But love is not just a theory word. It's an action word. And you have experienced God's love, and it's supposed to flow out to one another. And that happens when you engage in conversation with another, when you engage in community with another, when you actually step out and say, hey, how can I love you, brother? How can I love you, sister? How can we be part of this church, the body of Christ? Well, it says that he went on speaking that same message for the next six months. <laughs> love one another. See, what is God asking you to do? You've heard the theme of love. You've heard the theme of truth, even in First John in this last couple of weeks. What is the action step? What is the obedience step that God is asking you to do? Your part that you love. Our most often cop-out is that, hey, I'll pray for you. <laughs> yes, great that you pray for them, but are you actually praying for them? Are you doing something about that? <laughs> and often when you pray, God is saying, hey, you have the resources to help that person. So step up and help. Love one another. So that's the first response, that we love. Second thing is that we abide. We abide. Verse 15, it says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Verse 16, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Verse 13, This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us His Spirit. You'll see this abiding, God in us, we in God. There's a relationship. The word abide is basically you're making your home in God. Well, what do you do at home? Well, you rest, you eat, you put your feet up, you're relaxed, you think, you plan, you shower, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> you're at home. And you're supposed to make your home in Jesus so that you will receive everything you need from Jesus. That's why the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit is the result of the root. The fruit is the result of the root. You don't need to focus on the fruit. You can't fabricate the fruit. You can't make the fruit. You don't even produce the fruit. You bear it. Your job is to abide in the vine. John chapter 15. Your job is to make your home in Him. Focus on the root. Draw your nutrients and water from Him and God will take care of the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is a result of living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and abiding in the Spirit. So again, if you're preoccupied by, by saying, hey, I need more love, I need more joy, I need more self-control, I need to say no to these things, I need to show more kindness, I need to be more faithful, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Focus on the root. Focus on abiding. And fruit will be the result of the root. The overflow of God's love in you and through you will be the result of you and I abiding in Christ. I don't know how many of you go to a, a, a vacation or a holiday in a sunny destination. If you go to Mexico or, or even India, um, yes, uh, you come back uh, from those tropical sunny holiday locations and you come back and guess what? You, you're tanned, right? Your skin color is more brown uh, before than before you went. And what did you do in Mexico or India, or whatever the tropic of Hawaii, wherever you go, what did you do to get a tan? Or what do you have to do to get a tan? 
Yeah, just go outside. <laughs> just show up. And the byproduct of showing up is what? You got a tan. You don't go to a tanning salon in Mexico. <laughs> maybe, I don't know, maybe you do. I have never been, but um, not in India. You, you just go outside. And when you go outside, the byproduct of showing up is what? You get a tan. And the same thing is with the, with the Spirit of God. The byproduct of abiding, people will know and see the fruit. We abide, and the byproduct of abiding is that we bear His fruit. So God's provision, our response is that we love and we abide. And the third thing, the final thing here, and I'll close with this, the result of God's love uh, for us. The result of God's love in us. Verse 17 of 1 John chapter 4. This is what it says. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. The first result I want to point out here is this. That you and I will be confident in our identity in Jesus. You and I will have confident identities. Jesus was at all times completely confident in his identity. Because his identity was given to him by his father. We don't see at any point that Jesus is saying, uh-oh. I'm not sure who I am. I'm not sure what I'm doing. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm loved. I'm not sure if I'm the son of God. Why? Because Jesus knew his confidence is not in his own identity, self-identity. His confidence is God's identity on him. His confidence was in his father. If you read the gospel stories, you'll see Jesus saying, these are not my words. It's the father in heaven. Oh, these are not my works. It's my Father in heaven. Oh, this is not my authority. It's the Father in heaven's authority. Oh, this is not my testimony. This is the Father in God's testimony. Oh, not my will, but His will. In today's world, people are confused about their identity. And they look for places to find that identity. And you and I, our deepest human beings' deepest need is that we would know that we are known and loved by someone. Our deepest need is to know that we are loved, that we are loved with an unconditional love. Each of us, every one of us needs to know that we are known by God and that we are loved by God. It is possible that many of us here, even in this room, that you might be surrounded by people you might be surrounded by friends. You might be surrounded by family. But you feel like no one really knows you. No one really understands you. No one really knows your deepest dreams, your deepest struggles. They don't know your, what's going on inside of you. It remains hidden from you. And deep down, there's a longing to be known. A longing to be understood. Allowing that people will really know us. We want people to really call us by names. Because <laughs> we want people to know, hey, you, do you know my name? Oh yeah, you're so and so and so and so. No, do you know my name? Do you know that Starbucks identified this and they figured out a way to do this? If you go to Starbucks and you buy a coffee, guess what they ask you for? What do they ask you for? Your name. And they write your name on the, 
cup. Now I think it's all computerized. But uh, they put the name on your cup. And guess what? When the coffee is ready, they call out your name. And they say, hey, Jeffrey, your coffee is ready. You know why they do that? <laughs> it's subtle. <laughs> because they're trying to identify you and say, hey, you are known. <laughs> and that's why people go to Starbucks. I know. Not the reason, but people go to Starbucks because they're called by their name. Listen, many of us are known by numbers. Many of us are known by numbers. Uh, if you have a social insurance number, that's what you're known by. If you, have a, uh, if you go to Costco food court, you're known by a number. Order number 134, and that's your order. And they call you by numbers. See, God doesn't count us. God doesn't say, oh, out of the, uh, what is it, 8 billion people in the world, you are uh, 4 million and 1. Oh, here comes 4 million and 3. Or here comes 4 million and 5. No. It says in John chapter 10 that he calls his own sheep by their name and leads them out. God doesn't give us a number. When God calls us by a name, God knows us. He loves us. He sent Jesus for us. He abides in us so that we can be confident in our identity. See, when God's love is poured out to you and it flows in and through you, you're confident in your identity. Second thing, the result is this, there's no fear. Verse 18. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. See, when you, when you know that you're loved by God unconditionally, fear is cast out. Fear of failure, fear of inadequacy, fear of disappointment. Fear that, oh, God is up there, I'm down there, and he's just watching over me and waiting for me to mess up. And when I mess up, he's going to say, aha, gotcha. Fear of rejection. Fear of being hurt again. Fear that if God really knew me, he won't love me. Friends, the good news is perfect love casts out all fear. And there's only one person who can love you with perfect love. That's God himself. And that is the love of God. So are you afraid? Is there fear in your heart? Receive the love of God. Experience the love of God because that love will cast out the fear. God's provision of love. That he loves us he sent Jesus to die for us. He abides in us by his spirit. Our response to God's love is that we love because he loved us. And we abide in him. And the byproduct of abiding is love. The fruit of the spirit. And the result is that you and I can be confident in God's identity for you and I. And that there's no fear. I'm going to invite the, the worship team back up here and we're going to uh, sing uh, this final song, Yet Not I, But Christ in Me. And let this be a response to what God is speaking to you. It's great to come to a church on a Sunday morning and uh, listen to a message on love, but it really doesn't apply unless you make it apply in your life.
and you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do I know and experience the love of God? Am I letting the love of God overflow to others around me? Who am I choosing not to love? And where am I afraid in my life where I need to believe and trust in your identity in my heart? What fears does need to be cast out? Help me to abide. Helping, help me to make my home in you so that your fruit will be evident to all those around us. Again, it's not your fruit. It's Christ in and through us. Let's respond through this song.